Hey, winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad you're back with me today because today's topic is so good and so relevant for right now. As our children's parents and protectors, we need to be their largest advocate as well. In a world where society thinks it knows what's best for our children, how do we do this? How do we fight for them and their needs and why do we need to? Personally, what does it mean to advocate for my children? How do I become my child's best advocate? These are questions Julie Jones will help us answer today as we dive into how to advocate for our children and why advocating for your children actually matters. As a mother of two daughters with hearing loss, Julie knew her journey was going to be a different one. Julie has 26 years of experience raising two daughters with hearing impairments and seeing them grow into happy, productive adults. She's been an advocate for her daughters every step of the way, and she has three practical tips for us on how we can do the same for our children. I'm really excited to chat, so let's step into the fire with Julie. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for joining us again today on Red Hat Mindset. Hi, Gabe. I am really excited to dive into this topic. I've been, I know it's taken us a few months to uh, get connected and to make this happen, but it's been on my mind. And I just feel like in this world, we need to not allow everyone else to dictate what our kids need to know or dictate what's best for them. But as a parent, we have unconditional love for them and we understand what is best for them and we need to be willing to be their best advocates. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, Before we get into the tips, I'd love to just hear a little bit about um, why it is important for us to be advocates for our children. Well, for one thing, they don't have a voice because when I found out my daughter couldn't um, talk or couldn't hear, well, actually... If someone loses their hearing, they, they already know how to talk, you know, if someone's older. But when you're a baby or a little child, they can't just say, hey, I can't hear you. So there was a lot that had to go in, in into all that, getting them to learn to hear and to talk. So um, anyways, I found out that, you know, I have to take control of the situation and find out what I can do so that my kids will be okay. And I did find out that there are kids out there who are like three and four that couldn't talk and they had behavioral issues. And I even noticed that with Ashley a little bit that I couldn't communicate with her when she was two. So when kids are going through their terrible twos or the terrific threes or whatever, I've seen, you know, other parents being able to talk to their children. Well, I couldn't do that with Ashley in the beginning. So um, actually, I did, I think I mentioned this in the book, but 
I did have to use about six sign language words in just until she could actually understand and, and say a few words herself, like eat and more, do you want more or all done, stop, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but then once she could talk, I stopped doing that. But little kids, they really do need to communicate. And so once I learned how important advocating and getting help, the early event intervention is so important because they, they can't explain what their troubles are. And you have to be able to figure that out and do something about it. Um, it's our responsibility as parents. It may be something extra that you weren't expecting, but um, I took all the advice that people were giving me because people were giving me different advice and I had to figure out which one was best for our family and for my child. So um, I just really believe that early intervention is, is key and not to waste any time with it either, especially with um, the speech and language because once they get behind um, on that, um, behavioral issues can start. You know, kids already have the big, the terrible twos, but can you imagine not being able to express yourself either? So. Yeah, that's very true. And I think about it as, you know, God gifted these kids to us. So he entrusted them to us so that we could take care of them and raise them up so that they can be strong leaders and uh, followers of um, the word and really know who they are, whose they are, draw out those giftings, help them to um, learn how to think and to learn how to learn so they can, they can be who God created them to be. And that is our responsibility. That's a huge responsibility. <laughs> right. And, and knowing that they don't have a voice um, for you, it was because she, Ashley was so young, she couldn't talk yet. So she literally didn't have a voice. Right. Um, but even as they're growing up, getting into adolescence, um, they still don't really have a voice of their own yet because they're still developing. Their brain is still developing and going, moving into that maturity. So they need somebody to help them along the way. And that is us as a parent to help. Right. Them. Yeah. Mm. So that's an end. I, I feel like other people say, no, it's, it's this, this person's responsibility to do that for them, or it's this, this agency's responsibility to do that for them, but it's not, it's our responsibility. When you're entrusted with a kid, it's your responsibility to be their advocate. Um, so what is one way um, that we can be advocates for our children? What's your first tip? Find out and research what it is that child needs and what's out there um, that could help back in the 90s when all this happened to my, my children I didn't really have any you know I, I didn't have um, access to Google or anything back then I just relied on the people from the hospital who gave me pamphlets and then I had to go out there and, and observe and research those places so now there's so many things that you could find, um, you know, on the internet right now. So um, I just think, you know, you just have to try to find out um, what's out there, what's best for your family and do something about it. 
Yeah. And I feel like there, I mean, there's a lot of noise out there because there's, you have everything at your fingertips, like Google at your fingertips. And so sometimes there's so much information and so many options. Um, How can we navigate through all of that and really sift it down to um, what are the best options? Like what are some places that we really want to go looking? Um, Because I feel like we could get into overwhelm. How do you not get overwhelmed by that? (laughs) True. Well, I contacted um, the school that the girls that eventually went to and the best advice the director from there told me was to go observe different places around my area and see what it, it was that um, I thought was best for my child. Because there was one place that was a school for the deaf that just did sign language. There was another place who did um, the oral communication, which is the way we chose they did that and sign language. And then um, there was another place, there was speech therapy, but it was for kids that had all different kinds of um, disabilities. And I thought, I really need something for her that's going to focus just on her need. So when I went to the Atlanta Speech School and I observed, I I was behind um, a mirror where the kids couldn't see me but I saw these little kids, Ashley's age, talking about the calendar and the days of the week. And I just cried. I just knew that was the place for her. And that's where I wanted her to be. So um, you just have to go with your gut and what you think is best. You, so yeah. I don't know about the Google because I didn't have to use that back then. But um, just try to find things that, you know, maybe in your area and then talk to the people there Mm -hmm. and then maybe they can guide you. Yeah, that's great advice. I think that that really helps because it's find a few options and don't, you know, find the few of the best options or what you think will be the best and then make sure that you're looking into them. So whether it's going to observe a classroom or it's, um, calling to ask for ask good questions to get information to figure out if they fit the values and the needs that you have and then and then make your clear decision based off of that and I guess we never really will know was this the best decision which one was the right decision but if it works for our family then it was the best decision and when we bring God into it too and pray over it and be prayerful to say where are you leading me where are you guiding me and for me, and maybe you you feel this too, Julie, um, when I'm making a decision, when I have peace about it, then I know that's probably the direction I'm going to go. But uh, because I can, I can mull over, it takes me forever to make decisions these days. I used to be really good at it. But, mm-hmm. um, but I have found when I'm feeling peace in my spirit, then that's probably where I'm feeling God's directing me. Do you have anything like that that indicates that for you? I think that's when I saw those kids doing what I wanted my child to do and I started crying. Mm. It it, it was that peace that that I knew because the other places, you know, I'd left and I was just like, you know, thinking, hmm, I didn't really like that. What's next? Okay, and I tried that. It's like, yeah, I don't really like that either. So I think in your heart, you'll just know. um, Yeah, like you're saying, it gives you peace. Mm. I love that. It gave me excitement too, like, oh, you know, there is hope out there. Yeah, yeah, so true. 
and having that excitement and just knowing, okay, I can do this and it might be tough for a while and it might not be exactly what I wanted to do or what I planned to do, but this is giving me hope. And this is something that I can do for my kids to um, help them in whatever area it is that they needed that help at the time. Right. Um, that's really, really cool. So um, finding out all that is out there, um, getting those options and picking an option. Um, what, what is another key to advocating for our kids? Just be willing to do what it is that's out there. Take advantage of the opportunities that are out there, because I think I would have been crazy not to have taken my children to that school when it's there to help them. Mm -hmm. And, um, my dad said that he was proud of me and it, I say this in the book too. And I'm like, dad, I don't understand what you're talking about because I don't have a choice. You know, I have to do this for my children. I want them to talk and communicate someday, but other people have told me that there are parents out there who aren't willing to do that. And to me, I just don't understand that. Mm. Um, but I, I guess, you know, you just, I don't know. I guess I was having a hard time too about like, why, why is this happening to me or to my child? And then someone says, well, God um, chose those children or chose you to be their children's mother. And I just thought, wow, you know, that just, um, put, that gives me a lot of confidence too, that God had, you know, confidence in me to be able to handle it. So, you know, I think that helped me even more like, okay, I got this. <laughs> I love it. So. Well, and I, you know, the saying that said that, um, popular saying that says, what is it? Um, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. So, and I feel like that with even motherhood <laughs> we're doing right. Um, but he, just because we're going through a tough season, it doesn't mean that we can just get through it. It means that he's going to equip us to get through it, right? Right. So he's going to give us the tools and the resources. And, and we have to be the advocate for it. We have to go do the research. We have to do the action and be in motion in order for that to happen. But he's going to give us what we need. And um, that's powerful because we're not doing it on our own. We're not, we don't have, we're not alone, even though it feels that way sometimes. But he will equip us because he put them in our life for a reason. And mm -hmm. he, he put us in their lives for a reason. <laughs> right. And we would want the, the same thing for ourselves too, you know, um, since they don't have that voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. So let's talk a little bit about intervention. Um, I know that you talk about early intervention being the key. Uh, what, what does that mean? Why is it important for us to get in there as soon as we can? Well, kids are developing, their little minds are like sponges when, you know, they're very small. And I think the, the more that you allow time to pass, the worse off they're going to be. Um, like Ashley was almost two by the time she got hearing aids and I found that school. And they said that she was already two years behind in her speech and language. Oh, wow. So that's a big deal. And they said the most important thing you can do too is to read to her. That helps give her even more language. And now when kids go into kindergarten, they have to do so much more than what we ever did um, growing up. Um, like they have to um, 
already maybe know the alphabet or I'm not sure how it is exactly, but um, you just have to set them up for success. And if that's what you want your children to do is to thrive one day, you've got to do what you can in the very beginning and not let them get behind. And I really didn't want behavioral issues for Ashley. I had read lots of books when all this happened too. And I had read um, where behavioral issues can, can happen. So, um, you know, if you can prevent some things, then, then you need to, to take advantage of it very early. Mm-hmm. And even as they're moving on early in whenever it happens, because I remember you and I were talking just a little bit ago about how you pulled Ashley out to homeschool. And it had to do with the fact that the teachers were saying she had behavioral issues, but you knew that wasn't the case. So um, so this actually, you intervened and you did what was best for her and you pulled her, probably not something that you had chosen again. Like, um, But can you tell us just a little bit about that and why you made that decision? Sure. Well, Ashley started out in the eighth grade having um, stomach aches and um, throwing up in the mornings before school. And then she's like, I just can't go. You know, and so she missed several days and um, I was trying to um, figure out what was going on because sometimes they don't actually know what's going on either. Even in the eighth grade, they can't explain mm-hmm. explain how they're feeling, um, which is kind of a shock. I couldn't believe that, you know, once I fi- finally figured out what was going on, but it was a process. Um, she had been missing so much school. I was working with the counselor and she would have Ashley go to her for about a week. She had her go to her classroom and do her schoolwork. And then she ended up having her like go to one, one class one day for an hour. The next day was two hours. And then when it finally came to her having to go like all day, I was at the school and I could see her standing there in the hallway crying and begging me to take her home. And at that moment, I realized what's more important, her mental health or her doing her schoolwork. Well, when it came down to that, I took her out and I had, she was like on um, considered like hospital bound or something like that um, where I took her out. And then one of her teachers was so sweet. It was her English teacher. And she worked on all of Ashley's schoolwork with her. She'd come to the house maybe once or twice a week until the school year was over. But what I ended up finding out um, through therapy, it was called EMDR, and this um, wonderful um, therapist, she has since passed away from um, breast cancer. But at that time, she was very caring with Ashley. And when she did the EMDR, um, she found out that what the problem was is that Ashley um, was having problems in her math class and it was a hard subject for her for one thing and she was always so smart that she never really had to apply herself so much but when it came to the eighth grade and doing um, algebra she really had to apply herself and she was having difficulty but there was a couple kids in her class that were also making fun of her and telling her she was ugly and um, and she wasn't and so um she couldn't tell the, the guidance counselor that at the time. So going to that counselor, it was just such a big eye opener for both of us to finally find out what was the cause behind of it. 
So I tried to get her into um, high school and the first month she went, but then she started missing a day here or there. And finally one day um, they had passed around papers in one of her classes and she had missed so many days. I don't think she got all the information correct because they had a, um, a pop quiz. And this kid was the one grading her paper and he showed it to some other boys and they were laughing because she had missed so many things on the, on the test. And that was it. She just, she never could go back. So um, it was just very frustrating for me. So anyways, um, what I ended up doing, not knowing anything about homeschooling, I found a couple places around here who partner with the parents on um, doing the homeschooling. So that was great. She ended up being so shy and that next year she was in plays. Mm -hmm. So for her to be on stage talking in front of people was just amazing. So I'm really glad that we went in that direction and that we had that opportunity that we could even do that because school just wasn't the right place for her. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And just to see how she came out of her shell and she was able to work through those things in that time. And and the fact that you saw there was an issue and you felt like it was deeper. So you decided to um, dig into it and figure out what's the best solution for her. Again, kind of like we talked about in the last episode, um, it, it God telling you, um, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was you do what's best for them, not what's best for you. And, right. and that's what you did here too. And um, so I feel like when we see behavioral issues in our kids, sometimes it is a behavioral thing. And there is, you know, it might just be that they're being naughty, right? And we have to have a consequence. But sometimes there's a deeper root issue. And if we intervene early enough and we try to get them the help they need and figure out what is the best way to advocate for them, then we can help them grow through it. And that's exactly what you did with Ashley. Well, I even had the truancy officer call the pediatrician, pediatrician to find out if why she was missing school was really um, true. And the pediatrician's um, office, they called me and um, I had a panic attack myself that night because he was wanting to take me to jail <laughs> for her not going to school. And so um, when that, that month that she went to high school, I wanted to just talk to the guidance counselor at that school. She had had a meeting set with the truancy officer and at some of Ashley's teachers. They weren't listening to a thing I said about her mental health. They just saw it as she wasn't wanting to come to school. And it, it was so frustrating at the time. And then when she was in eighth grade, the math teacher had said something to me. I forget what it is, but it's a popular saying. Um, and every time I hear that, it bothers me. But um, I, I just, like I said, I just couldn't get any, anybody at the middle school or the high school to understand what was wrong. Mm -hmm. so, well, if you didn't take care of that situation, if you didn't take hold of it and fight for it, then um, what would that have done for Ashley throughout her high school career? Um, would it have put her in a worse place? Would she have been able to work through these issues 
Would she have anyone at the school advocating for her? You know, those are questions you can't really mm -hmm. answer, but I would say probably not. I and didn't have any help from the school system other than the, 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 the counselor that she had in the eighth grade. She did work with us. Um, and she was very sweet at the high school. They just had no tolerance mm -hmm. or, or cared about my child at all. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. yeah. So what you did was um, good for your family and for her. And that's, and that I think is why it is important not to waste any time getting the help. And sometimes getting the help isn't going to come from where you think it's going to come from. Like you would have probably thought, oh, the school, when they figure out, when they find out what's going on, they'll help her. Well, it didn't come from there. So you had to find it elsewhere. And um, it's important for us to be able to do that. And that is a way to advocate for our kids. If you are interested in hearing these stories I'm sharing more in depth, you need to pick up a copy of the Lemonade Stand 2 Anthology. This series is a powerful testimony of others willing to step up and share their stories for emotional growth and inspiration. I had the privilege to be a part of book two, which is a collective of narratives of true everyday heroes who show you how to stand in your power, find the courage to seek truth and reveal your authentic self. I wrote the running for my life chapter because we need to have more open conversations about mental health. Too many young souls are falling culprits to depression or suicide in this noisy world. I decided it was time to open up and share my story. I dealt with severe depression and anxiety in early adulthood, and through personal development, mentorship, and my deep faith, I was able to take back my life and come off all medications. It's hard to be vulnerable in this area that is usually filled with much shame and guilt, and I didn't want to end up back in that place by drying out all the emotions I knew would come out as I wrote, but I knew it was time. It was time to share the story I've hidden for years in an effort to help and support anyone else who may be dealing with negative thoughts or feelings that are spiraling them down into a dark place. There is hope and light in the midst of darkness. Are you in the midst of a struggle of your own? Pick up a copy of this book to find encouragement, inspiration, and motivation to move forward into your breakthrough. Our stories are meant to be shared. Head to www.redhotmindset.com to snag your signed copy of the Lemonade Stand 2. Um, I think the final, one of the final things I wanted to talk with you today about is um, your final tip in being willing to do what you have to do. And I know throughout your whole journey, even now, you're still doing what you have being willing, you are still willing to do what you have to do. But yeah. why is this important? And what does that mean? What does that mean for us as moms? Um, all I know is that I have loving parents and loving grandparents and great grandparents. And I guess that's just who I am and where I come from. And I was um, uh, saved when I was eight years old, seven or eight. And so I just don't know any other way, you know. Um, and I have anxiety and depression issues sometimes. So I can't just not do something there's just a gnawing at me that makes me want to do what I can um I don't know how to, else to explain but I just think if there's opportunities out there people should just take advantage of it yeah I agree and I think being willing to do what you have to do means you might have to sacrifice something right so you sacrifice a lot of your time 
um, getting your girls to and from school in Atlanta, you know, an hour there, an hour back. It's a lot of time. And you were willing to sacrifice your time to help Ashley homeschool. And so what is it in the season that we are going to have to sacrifice in order to do what we have to do? Some of us um, have to work, you know, as a mom, we have to do work because we need the finances. We need it to come in so that we can provide for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and that's something that we just have to be willing to do and we're doing it for them. But at the same time, if something comes up and our kids need us and they need us to advocate for them, are we willing to put aside our work, you know, and, and have that season of maybe we're going to struggle a little bit financially, but we're going to take care of what we need to take care of. And, um, I see that as being willing to go where God tells us to go, like almost that the, um, the song oceans, where it says, uh, trust without borders, um, something about walking on water and trust without borders, but are we willing to just go and trust and um, do what we're feeling called to do, no matter what. And I think that that has a lot to do with advocating for our kids. Mm. I just love my kids. I just don't. Yeah, I don't have no have any other um, reason. Um, but I am very thankful that I didn't have a full time job or something that that would have prevented me from being able to help the girls. Yeah. I'm very thankful for that. But one thing that um, my husband and I decided before we even got married is that I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I had a career for eight years in mortgage banking and um, I um, paid for our, um, uh, for our rent and, and all the bills while he was in school the first two years that we were married. And so once he graduated that's when we moved to Georgia but that was our goal was for me to be a stay-at-home mom I'll work now while you finish your schooling you know and so I guess God knew that (laughs) you know but and prepared you know like we talked about earlier that the um the school that was best for my girls was already in Atlanta which was um close to where we we moved and Scott got his job after he graduated so everything has, has worked out. Um, although, um, right now I'm going through a tough time, you know, some other things that's going on with Ashley, but yeah, but God will see you through because he always has. I'm, I'm hoping so. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when we're in the midst of it, but, um, knowing, seeing the past and how he's got us through every time, helps us to be able to have that faith and that trust. It's not easy, it's hard, and it's a daily decision, but it helps us to know he's never forsaken us before. Like you said, that's one of your verses that um, have you've clung to is that he won't forsake us and he won't forsake us now, no matter how hard it is or how hard it gets. Um, but it is important for us to continue on the path of advocating for them and to help them see through the struggles that they're in. and. Um, And so as we're wrapping up, uh, to summarize these points uh, that Julie has given us, uh, ways to advocate for your kids is to see which options are best for your children to get them help in whatever avenue it is, whether it's a physical help or an emotional help or 
whatever it is. Um, also don't waste time getting help because early intervention is key. And finally, be willing to do what you have to do. And if you've been encouraged by this episode, make sure that you go back and listen to our episode from last Tuesday, where Julie shares more in depth about her struggle victory story and about the things and lessons that she's learned and how God has provided for her all along the way. And also make sure to snake a copy of The Lemonade Stand 2. I will link the book in the show notes for you, but you can also find it on my website at www.redhotmindset.com. If you find the book in or book in the menu and then hit the drop down, you'll find Lemonade Stand 2. But I encourage you to be an advocate for your kids. If you want to find out more about how you can connect with Julie, I'll leave um, in the show notes. She has an email and then her Facebook is, Julie, can you tell me what your Facebook is again? Sure. It's um, facebook.com slash Julie MJ slash. Awesome. And I'm pretty sure she's going to have a book in her future, another one. So you're going to have to keep an eye out for that. Um, I thank you so much, Julie, for coming on and sharing with us your advice on advocating for your kids. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners, in all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your giftings, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.